Making changes in your attitude and behaviors as you're caring for a loved one takes courage. Implementing change also requires practice, patience, and perseverance. The process takes time and you may need to revisit some issues repeatedly. Change is more than a one-shot cure. As a caregiver, your feelings may revolve around the enormous responsibilities, obligations, and stresses you face every day. Maybe you need to make a change in a relationship with other family members. The reality is that change is stressful. You need to decide if you want to deal with the stresses of the same old routine or deal with the stress of trying something new. Change is possible, so what have you got to lose? This episode is brought to you by Family History Films. Visit myfamilyhistoryfilm.com to find out how they can preserve your family history in a fascinating documentary film. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. My guest today is Lauren Gelbert Goff. She is an aging life care professional and the author of Take Back Your Life. We've both had a pretty big change in our lives recently. And we discussed that and how you can make positive changes too. Thank you for joining me, Lauren. We're here today to talk about how caregivers can take back their life, but also more specifically, we're going to talk about change and the changing roles we face when we're dealing with somebody living with Alzheimer's. So thanks for joining me, Lauren. My pleasure. Thank you, Jen. I'm glad to be here. There's a lot going on, but... um, the caregiving, which I thought had sort of ended, is ongoing. Um, my husband passed away three weeks ago, and my son is in a medically induced coma right now, um, dealing with both leukemia and he did get the virus. So he's we're holding positive energy that he's going to come through this. So my. My daughter and I are healthy and supporting each other through this. Well, so. I can relate. As you know, my mom passed away on March 31st. It was a little bit of a surprise, although it probably shouldn't have been. But other than that, everybody's doing well. We don't have any of the other issues that you're dealing with. So I really appreciate that you could take <laughs> the time and, and join me in the midst of all of that. That's um, well, very... Well, very, one, of, one of the things that I tell people because I'm seeing clients um, doing video, Zoom, telephone sessions. And I say it's very grounding for me because what can we do? That's part of the issue everybody's dealing with is that we feel very powerless. And part of being a caregiver is we like to feel in control. We like to feel empowered, that we can make a difference, that we can do things. So it's all very surreal for sure. But I think it's very surreal for a lot of caregivers, especially if you're not living with your parent or spouse or whoever who has Alzheimer's, your caregiving role has changed. Mm -hmm. And it changed in a different way if you are living with your loved one because you can have the same outside support that you had previously. So change happens whether we instigate it or not. 
just definitely evident right now while we're living in a pandemic and trying to figure out how we're going to restart our country and go back, quote unquote, back to normal, even though I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, I'm hoping for some improved normal. It will definitely be a different normal. Yeah. Well, I hope it's different in a better way. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that it can be, but we are all going to have to really look at what our desired outcome is. And people who know me know my favorite question to ask and answer is what's your desired outcome? And a desired outcome has to fit two requirements. It has to be what you want, not what you don't want. Mm -hmm. And it has to be something over which you yourself have control. So that's a big part of when we say, okay, I hope it'll be a new normal that's better. The only thing part we have control over is what we will do that's an improvement that changes the rules for how we live, how we operate, whether it's our boundaries, our relationship and interactions with other people, how we're going to handle the, the leftover fear that we will all experience in some way, shape, or form when we're told, okay, you can go back to the store. You, the malls can open. Um, office buildings can open. Well, we've been living now for months with the message that we don't know who has it. We don't know how you're going to get it. Stay away from people. Social distancing. Don't breathe on anybody. Stay six feet away. Well, how do I know now? They said, okay, the parks are open. Can I go near you? Are friends going to hug each other? Are you going to feel safe hugging your loved one who you're caring for? That what if I still have, what if I'm shedding? What if I'm one of those people who never had it, but kind of like a typhoid Mary? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I never got sick, but oh, who? Okay. So that's the fear base that everybody's going to have to process. And we're going to have to find a way to, to connect to our inner trust. Uh, that's going to be a tricky one. So I tell people all the time, you may not be able to trust that the virus won't come back that you won't get sick, that your loved one won't get sick, won't be in the hospital. What we end up having to trust is that we as individuals can cope. That, that is definitely true. Everybody keeps telling me, well, you know, make sure you take care of yourself. I'm like, I'm like you helping other people, keeping the podcast going is all very grounding because without it, I have nothing else to do. <laughs> exactly. I can't clean out mom's room. I can't right. plan a celebration of life. So when I'm busy and doing quote unquote normal things, it's easy to just 
let my mind think, oh yeah, she's safe. She's well, she's socializing with the people in the residence that she lived in. It's like, well, no, actually, technically she's downstairs in, in the box, in the cabinet. <laughs> so it's a little weird, but, and I, my it biggest is. fear is I'm processing the feelings now. And then they'll say, okay, we need you to come collect mom's stuff. And it'll be like, oh, good. So then I'm very concerned there'll be a second wave that you don't usually get. So I'm mentally, I think, prepared for that, but probably not. (laughs) So that's going to be true. I mean, we're dealing with a very similar thing. Yes, my husband was home. We've cleaned some of the the stuff out. But when we're going to celebrate his life and have family come in, it will be a second wave. Mm-hmm. And it is because, yes, you can process feelings with loved ones on the phone, on video chats. It's not the same as being face to face and getting a genuine hug from someone you love. And so it's understanding that shift. And we could talk a long time about processing grief and feelings, and it will be different now versus what it has been in the past because everything is delayed. So again, it's part of change and being able to say, here's what I want. Nothing's going to happen. It doesn't have to happen the way it traditionally did. Whatever anyone's beliefs were, Here's the what I refer to, and we'll go back in a minute to a desired outcome, because I didn't forget that. <laughs> it's whatever we start doing, the, sh- the change is happening, and we now have to sit with, what's my desired outcome? I don't have to do things the way it's always been dictated, because that was taken away from me. Definitely. So now I'm going to, I want to do something to honor the memory, honor the life, celebrate, be with people. So the rules change. We're not doing sitting shiva. We're not doing awake. We're not. Oh, so here's a change. And your goal, as I talk about it in the book, You're going to feel stress because we have old beliefs that dictate, well, you should do it this way. These are the people who should be there. This is how things should be done. And many people will have, they've told me and feel like, well, we'll do something at the church or we'll do something at a funeral parlor. We'll do something that feels traditional. They may not want to, but they're going, they're feeling an obligation. So I refer to this as a pop quiz. Remember pop quizzes from school? Unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) We'd walk in the classroom and the teacher would say, okay, notebooks away, pens out, you're having a pop quiz. And everybody would go, (gasps) (laughs) Did I study? What did I read? What are we doing? Well, 
in school, you get the lesson and then the quiz. In life, we get the pop quiz and then the lesson. It's not why it feels so bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So here's your opportunity to say, what do I really want? And what's my desired outcome? And we get to change the rules if you want. You're going to feel stress, tension, inner turmoil, whether you do things traditionally or you do things differently. But now you get to choose which stress, inner turmoil you want to live with. I can't pick no inner turmoil. <laughs> we get to know inner turmoil once we make a decision. Well, I made, I'm, it's interesting you say that because I'm having, you know, the typical things that happen when a parent, now both of my parents are gone, just my sister and I, we've never seen the world in the same way. So of course there's conflict. Mm -hmm. And my husband says, I've never known you to back down from a fight, blah, 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 blah. I don't know why you're backing down from her. And I'm like, I'm not, but, and it took me about one to two days to just be in my head, constantly churning this ugly conversation around in my head before I'm like, I know exactly what it is I need. Okay. And so it's, and then once I could articulate, this is what I need. You know, this is why it's different. You know, why I'm not just saying no, the trust says X, and this is what we're going to do. Simple. I mean, there is nothing to argue about. So she just has a tendency to say things in haste. Let's put it that way. I'm trying to be nice. I don't like to badmouth people. And once I could articulate what it is I wanted and why I needed it to be that way, He's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining it to me that way. And I'm like, well, it only took me like, you know, 24 hours of sitting there playing a stupid little, you know, online game on my phone with this yak going around in my head. Just It's like, like a yapping dog in my head. And then we went, were we walking or bike riding? I think we were bi riding our bikes, which I always find really clears the cobwebs out of my head. And it just, it literally hit me. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is what I need. And this is why, why I need it. And, and he's still trying to resist because he doesn't think it's 100% necessary. And I'm just like, yeah, it is, because I say it is. So it's interesting when you say you need to focus on the desired outcome. Because mm -hmm. that's what I did without really realizing that's what I was doing. So yay me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and one of the things I would love for your, your followers and listeners to get is something that I created called the step-by-step -step guide which walks you through the process you came to organically. It starts with a, what's the issue, right? What's my desired outcome? And it walks you through nine steps of what are my options? And what are the feelings we go through? Because it can feel scary. Am I going to hear, get pushback? Am I going to get criticism? Am I going to get anger, resentment, all those things that we are afraid, 
mostly caregivers who are compassionate, caring, sensitive. Let's make peace. Let's keep things nice. So we're not generally the people who want conflict, who are comfortable with conflict. So who's, who are the ones who tend to back down? Well, we're in a new time, a new space, a new era. The universe is giving us an opportunity to say the rules are changing. So this step-by-step guide walks you through this process. I liken it to if you get a a new, you're going to make a new recipe and you have to list all the ingredients that you need and you take that list to the grocery store so you don't forget anything. Well, this is your, your map to working through each step, the feelings, the concerns, the obstacles. So, but when we're clear what we want, what we need, it's like a laser focus that helps us get out of our own way. Yeah, that makes sense. And it has to be what, like, my desired outcome was not for her to change because I don't have control over that. Right. Or anybody else. So my, my desired outcome was... Well, I know what the desired outcome is. And to get to that point, this is how, this is how I need to get there. Mm-hmm. So it's, the, it's that interim step that's my husband still needs to process. That's okay. I'll just keep reminding him. I'm always the one that steps in and says, well, nobody's handling this. I'll just take care of it. And I haven't done that in two and a half weeks. <laughs> so, wow. Awesome. You know, it's like my husband's a real estate broker. He's very successful. He and I have been managing my mother's house. It managing <laughs> big air quotes because it's the tenants have been great and everything has been fairly smooth, except that the house is 50 years old. So it's the house that's a problem, not the tenants. And right. so she tells me, Well, I've been uncomfortable with the man, you know, the property management all these years. Like, oh, really? News to me. So we're selling it, but she doesn't want him to sell it because it's a conflict of interest, which makes no sense. She wants our uncle to do it. And that's fine. You know, I'm not going to pay the seller's commission because I don't have to, because I've got, you know, freebie over here and they have um, corporate fees. They can't just do it for free just because it's family. They've got fees and expenses that they can't just wish away. Wash away. Right. So I know my, when I tell her, that's fine. You, you can have him sell it, but you're paying his fees and you know, the buyer's agent's fees will come out of, you know, 50, 50. I know what that'll cause. And I told her on April 1st, this is April 17th. I said, ask him what he thinks the value of the house is and ask him if he thinks now is a good time to try to sell it. Cause Lord only knows. We've not been in a real estate market like this. This is yes. a little unusual. Yes, it is. I have heard nothing. We have tenants in there that legally have to have a 60-day notice. He is self-employed. He makes the best baklava. Oh, Lord. You can taste the butter and the honey. 
And oh Lord, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it is not something I need to eat too often because shirts sure still hanging around. So in this economic crisis that we're also having, you know, they paid uh, 2000 of the $3,000 rent, which, okay, hey, I'm, I'm happy with that. The only expense the house has is the exterminator <coughs> and the gardener. And, and the way this property management has worked is sometimes something breaks, so they tell the gardener, who is also my gardener, so then he tells me, it's like, you know, we have phones, email, we've got this online portal, you know, but you use Jose. <laughs> it's just, you know, that's how, how easy and just simple that it's been. I mean, they've been fantastic tenants. They've done, taken a great job, care of, good job taking care of the house. So I decided yesterday, we need to give them a heads up that mom passed away. We are going to sell the house, but we're waiting for my sister to do something. She doesn't want him to do it then you handle it and she's not handling it. And it's hard. Cause it's like, Oh, I could just handle it if I just give in, but I'm not giving in because it's not my responsibility. <sighs> right. So here that it's the example is great because whether it's something like this or any other responsibility that people are used to you or any other caregiver if we drop the ball, we know they're going to pick it up. Mm -hmm. And so we, we teach people how we are willing to be treated. <laughs> I'm laughing just because it's like my husband is resisting this and he knows he has to live with me. So him going along with what I need and how I've decided how we're going to move forward would be smart on his part. <laughs> so he's having to unlearn this, how I taught them how to treat me. Or, you know, right. their ex expectations of, well, she'll just handle it. We'll tell her we'll take care of it. But when we get busy and don't, she'll just take care of it. And if that's what's happened through most of your life, it isn't that other people are being mean or manipulative. It's an expectation. So when we talk about making changes, we're talking about having to manage expectations. And being able to say out loud, I'm doing this differently. And I know it's going to be a little weird for all of us. Let's say it out loud. It's kind of like, let's talk about the elephant in the living room. <laughs> it's going to be weird. But I'm going to be true to my word that I'm going to let you handle this. And when you see that it's not being handled, you then have a choice. Now, whether it's the house, whether anybody listening is going, well, you know, my sister said she'd take care of mom or she'd take them for the weekend and now she's backing down. And we come back to what's the desired outcome. And it's a conversation that you can have with a sibling, with a spouse, with um, a friend, what's the desired outcome? Oh, well, we want to sell the house. You said you were going to handle it. What are you doing to handle it? No judgment, no criticism. We do our best to be curious. And when we can be curious, 
we open things up. Being able to say, I know we're doing this differently. I know you said you wanted to handle this, to take care of mom for a day, whatever it might be. What's getting in the way? Because when we have a goal and we see what the obstacles are, everything is figure outable. That totally and, makes sense. But the only way it's figure outable is if we are on the same page with the same goal. And if you were to say, well, I want to sell the house and your sister is saying, I don't, we'd have to negotiate something else. If someone has an issue with how a parent or a spouse is being cared for, we each have to express what our desired outcome is. What are we doing? When we had, when my husband went into the hospital, he had had a mild stroke um, on March 13th. He went into rehab on March 19th, developed pneumonia, went into the ER and was put on a ventilator on the 21st. And I knew this was not a good space. So I talked with both my adult children. Here's what I'm thinking we need to do. I had to get them, give them information, give them an opportunity to ask questions and talk about what the desired outcome is. Going forward, leaving the machine on, taking it off. When we can have a conversation that's just based on truth, not stories we make up in our heads. Because the stories we make up in our heads are, I'm being general here, they're based in fear. I can see that. And people may be obstinate, difficult, challenging, stubborn, um, frustrating. They may be argumentative. They may be all these things. Now you're just describing my whole family. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, if we say, I accept you for who you are, but here's what our desired outcome is. Here's what the goal is. Can we work together to achieve that goal? And when our goal is stronger than our fear, we really do make inroads. I can attest to that because once I realized exactly what it is I needed for myself to move forward towards the desired goal, it was like, oh, this is what I need. Make it happen. And right. now it's not... I don't, I'm not second guessing myself. I'm not making excuses or rationalizing. There's just none of that no noise in my head. It's like, I know, I mean, I'm 53. She'll be 49 next month. We've had the same relationship this entire time. I do not think it will change. <laughs> that would be foolish. So it's like, I basically what I'm asking to have done is basically put 
a stop to the shenanigans before it starts Mm -hmm. because she doesn't need it. I don't need it, but she's not going to listen to you before, you know, she's not going to, she doesn't listen to my podcast. So she's not going to hear this wonderful advice and say, Oh, well, maybe I should, you know, stop and do exactly what you're saying. Cause then we'd all, I'll be better off. Right. So the only thing we, again, the only thing we have control over is how we choose to respond to behavior that we know is coming. Because you're right, we can't change anybody else. We can say, well, like I, the, the story I share in the book about the, this woman, Lorraine, not getting help from her siblings because they never stepped up, they never offered, they never did anything because they always counted on her doing everything. So she never, it never occurred to her that she could ask. But once she did, once she was clear, here's what I need, here's my goal. This is, so this is what either, we can either say, this is what I need you to do, or we can say, here are the things that need to be done. Who wants to do them? Who's going to take it up? And we get to decide as individuals, what's our desired outcome and how do I want to communicate it? And that's, that's what allows us to make a change. And I really want to stress that if we can start with little things, if we're going to try and think we got to do these big life changing changes, it isn't going to happen. And then we feel even more disappointed and more fear-based and say, see, nothing I do works. I can't, it's not possible. And we go back into the old stories that we tell ourselves. So we breathe. I say on every page in the book and we breathe. Because sometimes that really is all we can do, number one. And number two, when we can take that breath, it will prevent us from reacting and give us pause so we can respond. How many times have we been confronted with a demand, a request, a telephone call? We hear the phone ring. Do you have to jump and answer it? What if you don't? What if you start with a small thing like the phone rings and you don't answer it? Even if you call back within 30 seconds initially, you're taking a step to make a change. And if we, can, if we can't make the small changes, we won't really be able to make the big changes. That is there's never true. There's never a perfect time, a perfect environment, a perfect moment, but we can take small steps and build a level of confidence within ourselves. I can do this. There was a woman I worked with years ago 
who had a very challenging relationship with her mother. And her mother somehow always called and she always felt like she had to take it. They were always having fights. And she managed to say the she would only take phone calls or make phone calls to her mother if she was sitting in her comfy chair by her living room window where she could be calm and focused and in control. She wouldn't take those calls if she was running errands, driving in her car, because it was too stressful. She, could, she couldn't do that. So the first few times her mother called and she didn't answer, she felt guilty. She felt panicky. She felt overwhelmed. She, so she'd race home to get in her chair. So it, and it was exhausting. It sounds exhausting. But guess what? After a few phone calls, it didn't take long because once her mother learned she was going to call her back, her mother stopped giving her a hard time about not taking her call. So we, we are not doing it to punish anybody. We're doing it to say, I'm taking care of me. So she told her mom, when you call, if I'm not in a good place to talk to you, I will call you back. So we can set those boundaries and acknowledge the changes that need to be made because it's about taking care of you. And that's what this is all about. Even after your loved one is not there anymore, creating whatever dynamics have gone on. We say we get to change them. The rules change. Definitely true. And it's definitely empowering because I have been more calm and less weepy once I've made that choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and the time has passed a little bit, it hasn't been that long, but I just I I feel like one one stone has been lifted off my shoulders. Like all the weight's not gone, but that one is mostly gone. A big chunk mm-hmm. of it's gone. Mm-hmm. So you talked about nine steps. Can you run us through those real quick? Absolutely. Appreciate that. So we have, again, desired outcome. And of course, I don't have my right reading glasses on, <laughs> but I should have had, I should have printed out a big one, but it's this, everybody can get, can have access to it at takebackyourlifeguide.com. That'll be in the show notes. Okay. So we want to look at what our options are for achieving a desired outcome and what are the, what are the obstacles I wish I could, I should have printed out a big version. (laughs) Um, What are the feelings that come up? Because it's not our feelings that get us into trouble. It's our actions. So if I feel guilty 
<clears throat> letting the phone ring and calling back when, um, when I'm ready. So I say, oh, never mind. I'm going to just take the call now. Nothing changes. But it wasn't the guilt that was the problem. It was the action. Makes sense. And we, and we do things out of habit because we live with the illusion that it makes it feel it makes us feel better. It doesn't. It just keeps us stuck. And one of the things that people are talking about during this whole pandemic is how stuck and trapped they feel in their homes, not being able to go to dinner, not being able to comfortably go to the store. I go, I've always gone to the grocery store at seven o'clock on Thursday mornings. There were maybe 20 people in the store. It was lovely. It was quiet. I could get through. It was kind of like a meditative space for me in the morning. <laughs> now I go at seven o'clock in the morning and it's a zoo. There are hundreds of people there. It looks like a Saturday afternoon shopping. I'm, I'm, so it makes no sense. Prior to this, I was safer in that store <laughs> than I am now. So we have to, we look at then what the obstacles are, whether it's a fear, whether it's an unknown, whether it's um, other people getting involved. And we get to work through each obstacle. And I ask people all the time, what do you know for sure? That's a good question. You only know what, you only know that the answer is in you. Like I don't, I, I'm making assumptions about my sister and my husband in this scenario. Less assumptions with him, but definitely assumptions with her because I haven't discussed it with her. Right. But I do have 40, almost 49 years of experience. So, <laughs> And you may be, a hundred percent right. What you know for sure are certain personality traits. What you, the story you tell is she's not going to do this. She'll fall apart on that. She'll, she won't handle this, but that's a story. That's true. So what do you know for sure? She's agreed to take this on. Well, she's told me this is how she wants it done. That's not necessarily agree to take it on. So when she says, this is how I want it done, then the next question is, what steps are you taking? And you could actually, and part of the step-by-step -step guide, it's not just the guide. There's a whole audio going through each step. There's a transcript. So you, I really walk you through each of the steps to handle each of the things that you're doing that it requires. So when somebody says, um, you know, I'm, I'm handling it or I, this is what I want done. Okay. What are the steps? What needs to happen? Because in order to make any change, we have to be aware of what we want, what we need, what we think, what we feel. 
So she said, this is how I want to have it handled. And I said, okay, you do X and Y. That probably wasn't the right thing. I should have asked her, okay, well, what do you, how do you want to move forward then? Probably would have been better, a better statement or question than what I said. So we can almost always revisit things and be able to say, okay, these were the things you talked about. Can you update me? Can you tell me where things are now? And that gives you an opportunity to look at what she has done, will do, whatever her goals are, and the possibilities. And you may have ideas, and you get to decide, am I going to share these possibilities? It doesn't mean you're taking it on. just means you're having a conversation. And then we decide on next steps. Which, which option, whether we have to prioritize things, whether we have to move in a certain direction, we get to make those decisions. And that's a big part of moving forward. And what gets in the way? What's the resistance? What's the fear? What's the doubt? What's because we're not criticizing it, we're validating it. We're saying, it's okay. In the past, I couldn't trust my sister to do anything. In the past, I couldn't trust people to, to show up. And, you know, obviously I wrote this book long before this pandemic came and we talk about asking friends, neighbors, people who go to your church, go to your synagogue, who might want to step in, buy food, visit for an hour, play cards, do. And so now that's been taken away. So we're looking at what are our other options? And because it's going on longer than anybody really could fathom, or want. <laughs> right. They're letting people in. I know a number of people are now allowing home health aides back in. Home health aid agencies are letting aides back in because they realize you can't go on like this without help. I have clients who have children with, with, many needs and they're letting the some people from the beginning were saying no we need the nurses to come in other people held off but no we need the therapist to come in now because everybody's home <laughs> everybody's dealing with the stress the aggravation the frustration of what the hell is going on yeah really <laughs> yeah so we want to be compassionate and respectful of the feelings that come up when we're talking about doing something that's out of our comfort zone. Not critical, not judgmental. So we want to allow something new in. Right. One being critical and judgmental just generally does not get you a positive result. 
True. And so we may know qualities somebody has. Can we accept them? You know, if somebody is in your family who somehow always causes some drama, but we love them, we have to decide how do I want to handle it when their drama is kicking up. If I can't change their drama, we can choose to invite somebody if they have to be there because we're doing a memorial and that's a person in the family who needs to be there. Okay, what do I, we can go through this whole map again, say, so how do I want to handle this? So I feel safe. So I feel secure. So it might be, I'm, I'm going to have to take some breaks. I'm going to have to make sure I'm always with my spouse, with my child, with my partner, whatever it might be. So I'm not having to talk to this person alone. I may have to take breaks and go to the bathroom, take a walk around the block. There are always things we can do to take care of ourselves if we're not judging ourselves for not tolerating that behavior. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. So that, again, we carry these judgments in our head. Oh, they're going to think I'm being rude. They're going to think I don't love them. They're going to take offense. As I talk about in the chapter on boundaries in, in the book, a boundary is what we do for ourselves. It's not punitive. Boundaries are a sign of self-respect. And if we're not used to setting those boundaries because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, because we don't want anybody to be upset or angry with us or think that we're being whiny or selfish, all that we are talking about, Jen, tonight is just, it's not selfishness, it's self-preservation because you matter when you're taking care of somebody you need definitely need that message and that's why you know doing the work that you're doing in bringing these issues to light helps people connect to their awareness um i'm uncomfortable i don't feel good I'm feeling, you know, worn out. Am I willing to make a change? That's not always easy. That's not always an easy first step. There we go. Anyone can say it. Right. It It isn't an easy first step. The first step would be, let me acknowledge that I, I have a stomach ache every day. Or I walk around with a headache. Or my shoulders and neck hurt. (laughs) Let's start with that. And desired outcome. I would like to be pain free. I would like to take a nap in the afternoon. I would like to get a good night's sleep. Any of those desired outcomes, what am I willing to do to achieve it? 
That's an excellent question because I think we frequently say, well, I want this or why can't it be like that? And we don't take that step of saying, well, what am I going to do to make that happen or to work towards that? Like people are always telling me, because I'm also a photographer, well, I'm going to do a family portrait when I lose 20 pounds. And I got into the habit of saying, you know, (laughs) I can Photoshop a little bit here and there. You can Photoshop your face, but what happens if you don't lose the 20 pounds? What happens if you now need to lose 30? I said, at some point, you either just have to do it and trust me that I can make you look beautiful because you already are versus not having it done and having that regret. Absolutely. And that, you know, when they say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, the next best time to plant that tree is today. Same premise. My dad always had, this was a 70s thing, he had a but, you know, one of those, that was the be, the days of the big buttons, uh-huh. had a round button that said to it, T-U-I-T. And people would say, what, what is that? And he says, it's my round to it. So you, I, you know, and sometimes he'd hand it to people and here, I'm giving you a round to it, get around to it. I mean, it was, you know, dumb dad jokes, like extraordinarily dumb dad jokes, but it, you know, it does make a point. People always say, well, I need to get around to that. I need to get around to it. I need to get around to it. Here you go. Here's a round to it. <laughs> there you go. Well, somebody had posted just the other day, you know, he feels sorry for all the men who told their wives that they would get to projects when they had time. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, Whoopsies. Right. <laughs> so we, and we all have time, we have to decide how we want to use it. And people are feeling very um, guilty, frustrated, insecure, inadequate, because when they go online to social media and see, oh, we're doing this and we're spending time and we're, and they're going, my kids are melting down Um, my parent, if they're living with them is having more needs. I don't have time. I'm stressed. I'm not feeling good. I am eating peanut butter and jelly for dinner. And people are talking about, well, we're cooking, we're making these gourmet meals. Please. I am begging everybody. Don't believe everything you read in social media. That is true. People want to put out a message that feels good. They want people to see the highlight of their day. They're not telling you the crappy part of their day. They burned the gourmet meal. (laughs) Right. Because the kids were throwing a fit. (laughs) So please, this is all about having compassion for yourself. Don't tell yourself stories. When you hear the story going through, you're like, oh my God, everybody's this and they're doing so well. Robert Louis Stevenson had a line where he said, comparison is the thief of joy. Definitely. Somebody's always got it better. 
So, but then again, somebody's always got it worse too. So just got to decide which part are you going to look at. Well, people ask me all the time, how are you working? How are you doing this? Look at all you're going through. Look at what you're dealing with. And how can you listen to my complaints and my stuff? It's nothing compared to what you have. And I said, it's not a comparison race, number one. Number two, my pain is not yours. Your pain is yours. It's like the people who say, oh, I complained that my feet hurt and then I saw somebody with no legs. (laughs) Okay, did that stop your feet from hurting? No, No. (laughs) but that's what, these are the messages so many of us grew up with that somehow what you felt or needed could be dismissed. It could be put off. And this is all about saying you matter. And it is not selfishness. It is self preservation. And that's what getting through not just this time with the pandemic, but as caregivers, as people responsible for loving, caring for others, whether it's parents, spouses, children, the better care you take of yourself, the better able you will be to take loving care of others. So that's the bottom line to all of this. And that's been my goal in everything that I do. So the step-by-step guide helps because it validates what you have to do to get to where you need to be. And that's takebackyourlifeguide.com? Takebackyourlifeguide.com. Yes. It'll definitely be a hot link in the show notes. You'll get the recording. You'll get the transcript. You'll get the really pretty map. It's lovely. It kind of looks the same color as the book. So you can get the book. It's, it's, It's all there. And it's for your greater good. That's the way I operate. Even when I'm sitting in the depths of my despair and worry over my son, I just keep putting white light and healing and saying, for the greater good, the best possible outcome. And if that's your goal, what are you going to do to get there? Well, you've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow me on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or send an email just to say hi and be a good neighbor and share this episode with friends, family, even a stranger or two. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday.